Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Tammy Vincent helped pick out the, the uh, uh, and pick up the uh, lights, but uh, also uh, last, uh, yesterday, um, Woodbury, come on, all right, we'll keep pushing buttons until something works, um, uh, painted the, the choir room, and uh, Rip had already cleaned off doors over there. Um, but it, I encourage you to go in and look because it looks totally different as well as uh, the, uh, the portable. Um, the bathroom was painted and it was cleaned up and put back. Um, and so we just praise God for all that. And that's just a huge step forward for us. And, and, and Woodbury, so many people from there helped as well. And uh, so I'm just really, really encouraged. It took us a while to kind of get across the finish line with these rooms. And we're going to do it as an elephant. It's kind of one bite at a time. Uh, but really glad that we're able to get those back and thank the kids ministry for their patience the last several weeks uh, kind of being in a little bit more of an itinerant uh, situation with with the rooms being out of commission but uh, so glad that they're back now um, we're in our series in the gospel of john and uh, thanks to keith last week uh, who shared uh, with us from john chapter 15 um, and uh he talked about the Holy Spirit. We're in kind of a second part on the Holy Spirit um, today, uh, that disciples need a helper. Disciples need a helper. You know, we talk about discipleship being the heart of, of uh, Crossway, that it's about being a disciple. It's about making disciples. Discipleship is really one of the key missions for us as a church. And uh, so we're going to look at the first half of the gospel, of chapter 16, the gospel here. Um, Keith last week talked about how we need to uh, how really this process of the Holy Spirit living his life through us and growing us is an inside-out process. It starts with love, God changing our heart to make our heart love him, to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then that leads to an outer expression as we love our neighbor as ourselves. So loving from the inside out, living from the inside out, um, the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out through his ministry, through our reliance on him, and then learning from the inside out. And uh, one of the great quotes I, I love there that you, you used, Keith, was from Wearsby about how, um, you know, as we follow the Holy Spirit, he leads us to the will uh, and the work and the word of God and really opens it up to us. And so that was a great foundation. I really appreciate you um, laying that for us. Uh, so we're going to start in verse 1 here in um, uh, chapter 16. And uh, verse 1 says, I've said these things in order to keep you from falling away. So Jesus is saying, the context here, just to, to go back, we're in, uh, this is Thursday night of Passion Week. Um, this is the eve of Passover. Passover starts at, at sunset on Friday, and this is really the, the high point of the, the Jewish year, the Jewish calendar. And of course, we know that 24 hours later from this time in the upper room, Jesus is going to be crucified. And he knows that he's going to die the next day, by dusk of the next day. And then uh, in three days, he's going to be raised again. 
and he's going to appear to the disciples, and then in 40 days later, he's going to ascend. And so Jesus knows that there's a lot coming at his disciples. He wants to prepare them. And so that's what this upper room discourse, these three chapters he's, he's doing, and, you know, last words, so to speak, are sometimes the most significant. And uh, certainly what Christ shared here is very, very significant. Um, and uh, so he says that uh, he, he, he wants to help them because there's so much coming at them that if they don't understand it, they could easily be sidetracked. Um, and so he knows that they need help with this. Disciples need the help of the Holy Spirit. I do, you do, we do. We need help. Jesus knew that we needed help in, the, in what was coming. But did you know that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit? Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews uh, chapter 9, it talks about that as he faced this time, it says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? The only way Christ was able to do that was through the spirit, what he faced that night. But he says, just as the Christ was able to face that through the spirit, he says, how much more, here in Hebrews 9, will he purify our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? Through the same spirit. If Jesus needs the Spirit, then you and I certainly need the Spirit as well. Um, so disciples need a helper, and Jesus is going to explain who that helper is that's coming to them. Well, in, in verse 2, it goes on and says that uh, in this time that's going to be coming, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God, and they will do these things because they do not know the Father, nor do they know me. Disciples also need the Holy Spirit because they're going to be persecuted. Jesus knows they're going to be persecuted. He knows we're going to face persecution. We're going to face trials. We're going to face tribulations and difficulties. And he knows that we can't do that on our own. And I don't know if you've ever realized that maybe one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit is because of the persecution that we face. Jesus sent a helper for us. Uh, then in verse... so. Uh, I want to briefly talk a little bit about the different phases of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. To understand, you've got to map yourself out like with the GPS. Where are you in the redemptive story? Where are you in redemptive history? Where are you in God's story as it unfolds in Scripture to understand what's going on with the Holy Spirit at that given point in time? Let's start back in the Old Testament. We know Genesis 1.1, and the Spirit moved over the waters. The Holy Spirit was there at creation, right? He was there before all time because he's the third person of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. He is God himself, God's Spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up differently than we'll see him here in the New Testament. He shows up really through his anointing. It'll talk about again and again in Scripture that he was with this person or he was upon this person. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, what it's talking about there is a, a special empowerment or special favor of God on that person. So, for example, from uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, um, it talks about David. And it says that, uh, uh, hang on. let me find my, let me get my, my glasses would probably help. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. It says, the Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. 
So the Holy Spirit isn't upon everyone as we see him being from Pentecost on, but here we see him on specific people, on David, Saul for a time, Samson, uh, other people that were, that were talked about, and it talks about that the, the, suffering, silence, the suffering servant and, and Isaiah is going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to be upon him. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament as sort of more like special forces. It's kind of uh, uh, guerrilla warfare. He shows up, he inserts himself, he empowers someone, and then uh, he pulls back. Um, and so, uh, if you could think about it that way. So, really, in the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, is operating mainly through anointing. But we see a huge shift here after Christ, and it's coming here after the Gospels and the book of Acts. Um, uh, Luke, who's the author of Acts, the recorder, the historian of Acts, is going to record it in chapter 2, right? The day of Pentecost. And here we talk about the baptism of the Spirit. What does that mean? And there's so many different in our culture today, in our church culture, different things are said about the Holy Spirit. It gets a little confusing. Um, but uh, if the... Uh, in the Old Testament, if, if the Holy Spirit was like special forces, he's going in for special missions and empowering certain people. And, and on Pentecost, it's really like D-Day. This is uh, the launch or the invasion of the Holy Spirit through his church, through his people. It's like an IPO, a stock offering, right? An initial public offering. How many times is it, IP, does a company have an IPO? One time. That's why it's called an initial public offering, right? Um, they can, uh, the stock can continue, but the book of Acts and, and Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is now released into redemptive history. Uh, and so, and Peter talks about this in his sermon explaining what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So this is a baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really flooding out, immersing God's redemptive plan and uh, uh, and his, his kingdom. So uh, there's not a second baptism. There's not a second IPO in that sense. And it's easy. Some of the confusion about the Holy Spirit is when we're misidentifying an event in redemptive history as, and, and confusing that with an event for each believer. Um, and so we got to understand what God's doing and what applies to redemptive history as a whole and what applies to the believer. But the New Testament does talk about the individual believer, and it talks about that in terms of indwelling, Christian indwelling. This is the period of the church age. From uh, Acts 2 onward, we call that until Christ comes again, we call that the church age when we're still down here. And this is when Jesus says he's going to send a helper. He's going to send a helper to us in the church age. But Paul explains very clearly in Romans chapter 8 that uh, if you, that says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Everyone who's in Christ has the Spirit. This is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When does it happen? Well, it happens at creation. I mean, at salvation. It, it, this is, uh, the Holy Spirit regenerates our heart. He changes our heart. God makes his dwelling in us. He makes his home in us, and he lives with us, inside of us for eternity. So, indwelling starts at, uh, it's, it's, it's a once event that starts at regeneration, but it continues on uh, because eternal life is eternal, or it wouldn't be eternal. Uh, 
So that's, that's the difference between the baptism it talks about in Luke 2, which is a once-for-all-time historic event, and the indwelling that happens when each of us comes to Christ. Um, but there's one more category in which it's described in the New Testament, and that's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, don't be controlled by other things, like, for example, alcohol. When you're drunk, you're controlled by, uh, by the alcohol. Instead, allow yourself to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Specifically, he's talking about the context of worship. Um, but in if, if Galatians 5, he, he unpacks this some more. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So filling is, a, is connected to sanctifying. It's the sanctifying filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is a repeated, progressive, purifying yieldedness. How often do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, multiple times, daily, sometimes moment by moment. This means allowing the Holy Spirit, yielding to him, submitting to him areas of my life to allow him to come in and change me, allowing him to come in and to, uh, to grow the fruit of his character in me. So there's... Uh, the Old Testament anointing of the Holy Spirit, which was a special age for the Old Testament, then that changed at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was unleashed and, and the baptism of the church was baptized in the Holy Spirit in, in Acts chapter 2. Then were each, each of those persons in their own unique God story, when they come to Christ, they're then indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But we're all in process. None of us have arrived yet. So we all have to continue this process of continuing relying on this helper that Jesus says that we need, because we cannot live the Christian life on our own. My story, I grew up in a Christian family. I was in church before I was ever born, and, uh, uh, you know, and growing up in the church and in Christian circles of the Christian family, um, you know, I thought that the goal was from Dave just to be good Christian Dave, and, you know, we, a lot of times we'll try to grit that out. We'll try to grind our teeth to be a better person, right, to be more consistent, to, to um, and none of us can do that perfectly. I can fake it for a little while. Uh, but uh, I can't do it on a consistent basis. And, uh, and so um, you know, my story was that story of learning to, to allow the Holy Spirit to live his life through me, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so uh, that's what Paul's talking about in, in Galatians chapter 5. The supernat a lot of people really associate supernatural miracles with the Holy Spirit, and they certainly happen. I was healed of, of a, a brain tumor when I was in second grade. When I was just on the Big Island, we prayed over a man who had demonic involvement, and he came to Christ. That's a miracle. That's a supernatural uh, miracle. But the really supernatural miracle that the Holy Spirit does is to change your and my character, as he said, from the inside out. It's, it's the miracle of godliness, and that's uh, what most of the Holy Spirit's involvement in our life is. Um, so, uh, um, uh, so disciples need the Holy Spirit. How do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, uh, we need the Holy Spirit because Jesus was leaving. And he said this in chapter, in verse 4, he said, But these things I say to you, but when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to go to him who sent me. And now none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said of these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And in chapter 14, Jesus unpacked this more about that he was going away and the disciples are puzzled. They don't understand this. And so he says, I'm going to send a helper to you. You need a helper because I am leaving. 
And then it's interesting because in verse 7, what does he say? He says, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but having the Holy Spirit is better than having Jesus. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Now, what would it, wouldn't it be amazing to have Jesus here physically with us right now? Wouldn't it be amazing for him to be preaching to you as opposed to me? For him to come, what would it feel like for Jesus to touch you? What would it feel like for you to touch Jesus? What about for him to give you a hug, for you to hear his voice speaking to you? It'd be amazing, right? It'd be amazing. But what does Jesus say? He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Whenever Jesus says that, that's verily, verily I say unto you, the truth, the truth, amen, the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We're better off with the Holy Spirit than we were with Jesus. Believe it or not, that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus says right here. He says, you need a guide. He says, and you will be better off with him. Uh, you know, so the Holy Spirit is like a mentor to us. He's sort of like, any of Star Wars fans here? It's like Yoda. You know, Yoda trains the Jedi Knights, right? And, uh, um, and I know all metaphors break down, so don't take it too far. Uh, but, but the Holy Spirit is like that. He's the one who comes to train us, to equip us, to empower us, um, to live the life of Christ. But the Holy Spirit is not independent of, of, the, of the Trinity. He works in connection with, the Holy, with, with the God the Father, God the Son, uh, together. Uh, you know, the, the, the Trinity is interdependent on one another. They're not independent, and they're not, uh, they, uh, in a sense, they're dependent, but, but they're really interdependent, they're each one relying on the other, each one working with the other. Um, and then, uh, he, so disciples need the Holy Spirit, but one of the reasons we need the Holy Spirit is to ha- we need his help to understand the truth, to live the truth, and to witness to the truth. And this is what he says here in verse 8. He says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they did not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he won't speak of his own authority. Whatever he speaks, he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I I said that he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit is not like some... uh, Biblical Ouija board. Um, a lot of people think that. He's, you know, he's helped me discern whether to put my right shoe on first or my left shoe on first. Uh, but he's really here to reveal the Word of God. God has already revealed his will. And the Holy Spirit helps call it to our mind to clarify it, right? So that we can know God's will. His will is revealed in his Word, as, as Keith talked about to teach us his word. He is our teacher. He is our tutor, right? 
And so to understand truth, to live truth, but also to witness to the truth. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes because it's something that's really difficult for us to do. Um, uh, uh, and John 14 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said. He is our tutor. He is our, uh, our, 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 the one who schools us in the Holy Spirit, I mean, in, in the way to, to follow Christ. Um, so, uh, uh, but the disciple... Disciples also need the Holy help of the Holy Spirit in order to pray. You know, a lot of times you feel like, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. People don't like to come up here and pray in public. I understand that. This is probably my least comfortable thing for me to do, frankly, as, as an introvert. Um, and, but the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us to pray. There's no special vocabulary cards that you have to memorize to pray. Prayer is just talking with God. It's just conversation. Um, and so... Uh, in Ephesians 6, Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. So we are to pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You feel weak in prayer? The Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Certainly, we've all faced situations in which we can hardly even bring ourselves to pray when life is so confounding and sometimes it's so painful. And you need to know, you have a prayer warrior, none other than God himself, the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is praying for you at all times. Um, so we need the Holy Spirit to pray, uh, to pray. But um, we also need the Holy Spirit to witness to the truth, to witness to the truth. And in, 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 uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus says that, that, that his, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the most part of the earth. We, in our own power, can't uh, be adequate or feel adequate to share the love of Christ. I remember my dad would share Christ with—he was an evangelist. He would share Christ with anything that moved or breathed. And I remember we'd be at a grass station and— He'd, he'd share, be, I'd look over there and he'd be sharing Christ with a gas station attendant when they used to have those. And, uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, it was a 1970 Pontiac Safari station wagon. I had to sit in the back seat facing backwards. And so I've been just, my head's been dizzy ever since. Uh, but I, and, you know, my, I see my dad over there sharing Christ and I'd want to crawl under that seat because I'm an introvert. I'm like, oh no, dad, not again, right? And, uh, so, you know, it's, it, we need the Holy Spirit to help us do this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to speak of what the Holy Spirit has taught us and the hope that he has given us. But he promises to do that. You know, it's so amazing to hear Fripp tell his, this story about, you know, this, what happened this week. And I think back to May and, and uh, you know, when we got the chance to go out and Fripp got a chance to to uh, share Christ with Enrique, and then Enrique was baptized. Fripp didn't do that. That's not Fripp's capability. Fripp's, I mean, not that Fripp's an idiot. I'm not saying that. That's the Holy Spirit. Fripp can't change a person's heart, right? Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate the circumstances that, that he just shared. And so he helps us to be a witness to the truth of what the Holy Spirit has, in fact, shown us. Well, so how, what, how should be our intentionality in relation to the Spirit, right? 
What should we be proactive about? Let's just talk about that for just a second. Well, first of all, we have to submit to the Holy Spirit. We need to submit to the Spirit. Um, uh, Jesus himself submitted to the Holy Spirit. It says in John 6, 18, he says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And James, it says, James talks about in his epistle, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. That's the first action of our heart, right? To get down off of the throne, to give up the driver's seat of our life, to submit to allowing God to lead our life. To sub- it's, it's a yieldedness, right? It's opening up those areas of my life. The second area is to depend on this helper. I need to submit to this helper. I need to depend on this helper. This is the muscle of faith. This is the muscle of trust, of reliance. Um, Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus was going to be tempted, but he was depending on the Holy Spirit during that time. He needed the Holy Spirit. We need to exercise faith, trusting the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, uh, another verb that I would say in terms of intentionality is to attune to the helper, to attune to the help. Attune is attunement, to attune, or attentiveness, or to attend. Or, or is that same is the same concept of to pay attention to. Is is one of the most key words in spiritual formation and and the discipling our own hearts. Attuning to the Spirit, always listening to Him, being very aware of what God is doing right through His Word, through prayer but also attuning to our spirit, what's going on in our hearts, because the spirit's going to be moving in our life, and we need to have attention there when we have different feelings, whether it's anger or whether it's sadness or mourning or even joy. We need to pay attention to our heart. It's not that those are bad things. It's just that we need to then allow the Holy Spirit to come in and speak to those things in our life. That's attunement. Attunement is one of the disciplines we have to develop if we're gonna, as we grow long-term. It's, it's our ability to pay attention. You know, when you, when you uh, learn how to deer hunt, I didn't grow up hunting, but I've learned in the last couple of years, and you sit in one place perfectly still and perfectly quiet for over an hour before you ever really hear anything. And then all of a sudden, you can begin to hear everything. And eventually, your eyes begin to adjust. And you can see in ways that you couldn't see before. That's attunement. And we have to have that same spiritual attunement in our lives. So many of us here in this world, in America especially in this culture, we're so busy, we're so distracted, our phones are going off constantly, right? Facebook and, and text and, and WhatsApp and Instagram and we're getting stuff on the radio and on our computers and emails are going off. How can we hear God amidst all of this noise in our life? We have to attune to him. Fourthly, we need to discipline ourselves to the helper. Discipline ourselves to the helper. Donna and I have a discipline. On Friday nights, we go on a date night. How are we going to grow a relationship? How are we going to get to know each other? Well, we go on date nights, not every Friday, but we try to do it. We try to either go out to eat, or we'll go to see a movie, or we'll go uh, sometimes shopping, or, or, or do something fun. It's a way to invest in our relationship, spending time together. Spiritual disciplines are the same way. They're they're a way to train. And think of, Dallas Willard talks about that that, that spiritual disciplines are like a trellis, right, for 
our spiritual growth, the vines of our spiritual growth to, to, to give structure for them to climb. Spiritual disciplines are the way we can give the Holy Spirit access to our life, greater access to our life, greater access to our hearts. It's allowing him, giving the helper access through spiritual disciplines. So they're the inward disciplines. Obviously, we all need a, a, a daily diet in the Word. We need to digest the Word. That means reading it. It means memorizing it. It means meditating on it, journaling it. It means discussing it in community. That's why we have multiple stages of digestion here. <laughs> We're like a cow that chews its cuds in multiple stomachs, so it's not just here on Sunday morning. We've got small groups. you got your own time with the Lord. Um, but then it's, it's a diet of the word, but also prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. You have to have a discipline to exercise that muscle of talking to God. Develop a pattern throughout the day of ongoing conversation, as uh, Brother Lawrence talked about, to practice the presence of God. Do you talk to him as if he is there? Because he is there, right? He's present to us, but we're not present to him. And it takes discipline to make ourselves present to him. Another inward discipline is the discipline of stopping. This is Sunday. We need, each of you needs a Sabbath every week. Now, some of you have to work on Sunday, and this can't, and I have to work on Sunday. Uh, so uh, I have to take a discipline to have Sabbath rest, to stop. These are what these disciplines, they out, these, stopping is, you know, uh, to put stop signs in our life, to have rhythm. Jesus ministered, but then he stopped. He ministered, then he pulled back. He ministered, then he withdrew. And so we need that in our life as well. Fasting is one of those disciplines, right? It's purposely setting something aside. So I'll have intentionality thinking about something inward. There's no magical thing in denying myself, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A uh, for however long. And we're in the middle of Lent, and so sometimes fasting is a good part of Lent as we prepare for Easter. Uh, maybe for you it's chocolate. I don't know. It, uh, but fasting is a way to set aside something so that when I think about that, that reminds me of the real spiritual focus that I want to have. And uh, we can fast from TV. You can fast from social media. And that's not a bad thing either. Um, and... Uh, so those are the inward disciplines. And then there's the outward disciplines. These are inward realities that result in outward lifestyle changes. The first one would be simplicity. Simplicity. Um, you know, living a simple life as possible. That's hard for us to do here in America. This, 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 this culture has so many encumbrances. Solitude is an outward discipline. That's stopping and sitting in silence, waiting on God. And that's, for a lot of us are doers in here, type A, clerics, that's really hard for us to do. Just not be doing. Did you know you don't have to keep doing? Why? Why can you have royal rest, the royal rest of, 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 of creation in Genesis 1 and 2? Because God has already done everything that needs to be done, so you can stop and rest in him. Submission. We're called to submit to the Holy Spirit. We're called to submit to one another. Service. This is a serving congregation. Many, most of y'all you know, are already actively uh, exercise service. Chastity, purity, whether we're single, chaste, but also in marriage being chaste. Uh, unplugging. This is a new one that we have to develop. Unplugging. You have to have a spiritual discipline of turning this off. Creating boundaries. Luckily, I mean, you can even set aside focus hours on these. You can decide, set your notifications so you're not being bombarded 24-7. You were not made to be on all the time. God did not make your brain to do that. I Sometimes I, I, I'm jealous of my grandfather. <laughs> he never had paint on his house. 
uh, didn't, was not built with electricity or running water. He had a simple life. He had some major challenges, but he did not, he was not bombarded by a hundred different apps going off on his cell phone, on his emails, and, and, and like, like we are. We have to develop unplugging times. Um, uh, you know, so for Don and I, we grew up, you know, we didn't allow the boys to have phones for a long, long, long time, but even at the, we try not to have phones at the table because um, we want to be present to one another. We want to be present to God. So we have to put boundaries around that. Then there are the corporate disciplines, confession, corporate confession. Um, we don't do that as actively here. I'd like to begin doing that a little more in our service. Um, but it's, it's good for us to, to corporately confess um, and go before God in submission to him. Worship, this is what discipline of us we're doing here today. Guidance, going to people for wisdom. Celebration, um, you know, Christmas Eve, we had a special service to celebrate. We're going to do that. Uh, 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 Gladys and I were just talking about doing um, Good Friday. We're going to have a special celebration of the Lord's death on, on Good Friday. We'll have a service for that. It's a time we're setting aside, especially. Accountability, accountability relationships, exhortation, encouragement. These are all corporate disciplines, ways that we come around one another. So these are ways that we can be intentionally give the Holy Spirit access to those different rooms of our lives so he can begin to fill and to transform them. But uh, uh, fifthly and lastly is uh, to uh, give witness to what the Holy Spirit has already shown you. And uh, So here's homework uh, this week and, and sometime in your devotional life. Go read Acts chapter 8, 26 to 42. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So pay attention to what the Holy Spirit says to Philip, how Philip responds, and what the Holy Spirit does. You know, we're talking about how can we reach out to our community more intentionally this spring to give the Holy Spirit access, opportunity, like Fripp did, to show up with God appointments and to do something through us. We talked about reaching out to our neighbors and, and possibly having uh, a... Uh, uh, you know, exploring hope group. And I, if you haven't considered that, I encourage you to consider it. Take a step of faith, even if it's outside your comfort zone. It's outside my comfort zone. Donna and I have an appointment with one of our neighbors. They're going to come over for dessert. There's a guy at Starbucks that I've already been talking to. I'm going to invite him. Um, we have a new neighbor. Donna and I were just walking the other night, met him. He was out raking his yard, got a chance to have a conversation with him. He's one of the people that's on my radar screen. I encourage you to step out, give God an opportunity to show up, just like Fripp did. A lot of us here, most of us probably aren't extroverts, but this gives God even more opportunity than you know it's a God thing when it happens. It's not the force of your personality, right? Disciples need a helper. Jesus said, I'm sending a helper to you, the Holy Spirit. I want you to close your eyes again. I want you to think about the Holy Spirit here with us. We talked about what it would be for Christ to be here. But the Holy Spirit is here. You can put your palms out in a posture of receptivity on your lap just to be receptive and focused on his presence here with you now. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is closer to you now than Christ would be if Christ was standing in this room? He is inside you. He's connected to your heart. He's connected to your mind. He's there to change you, to transform you, to empower you.
to do what you cannot do on your own. How can you have more intentionality in your relationship with the Holy Spirit and your dependence on his help as our helper? God, we praise you that you did not leave us here alone. You did not abandon us as orphans. But you brought us the most amazing resource that there is in the whole cosmos. The presence of your spirit, the power of the Godhead inside of us, not just Emmanuel with us, but God in us, indwelling in us, making his home with us. Lord, we celebrate that this morning. We want to praise you. We want to enjoy that. We want to rest in that. And we pray that you would flow through us. Even as Peter said, as a river of roaring water, as Joel talked about, out of us and to all those who are around us, God, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.